It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Once the marches are over, the question that we're all going to have to ask ourselves is, how do we rebuild? We've seen the statue of a slaver pulled down from its plinth and thrown into the very docks that launched his slave ships. In Washington, D.C., we've seen the urgent words Black Lives Matter emblazoned in giant yellow letters down 16th Street leading to the White House, almost visible from Trump's bunker, definitely visible from space. In Minneapolis, we've seen the city burn as thousands march, chanting George Floyd's name. But as the great writer and thinker Gary Young wrote this week, obscenities such as this, the killing of George Floyd, can distort the vast scope and scale of the racial challenge that we all face. What we're seeing at the moment is our cities being marked by the urgent fight for racial justice. Monuments to a racist past are being pulled down and new symbols of a vital protest movement are appearing everywhere. But the visible scars of the long fight for justice remain. Scars that tell the story of the systematic neglect of black communities. Let's go to 1968. Good evening. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, 39 years old and a Nobel Peace Prize winner, was assassinated in Memphis tonight. It's a day after the assassination of Martin Luther King and the west side of Chicago is on fire. Huge protests erupted, shops were torched. And when bulldozers finally cleared away the debris, the residents in this black community hoped that their streets would be rebuilt. But after five decades, the once charred lots on Madison remain empty. That redevelopment never came. Welcome to Slow News, the podcast where we look at what's driving the news, not breaking news. I'm Basha Cummings, and this week we're talking about the protests inspired by George Floyd and the story of Madison Street in Chicago, an emblem of the deep structural racial inequality that splits America. And this week we talk to my colleague, Dave Taylor, who spent many years as a reporter in America, and he joins me to talk about the significance of those empty lots. But first, a message from our newsroom. Slow News is a podcast made by us here at Tortoise. We're a news publisher, in an app, online, in our daily Sensemaker email, and, as you already know, in podcasts. What's different about us is that we investigate what's driving the news. And we'd love for you to join us. 
By becoming a member of our newsroom, you'll get access to our journalism, and you can join our open news meetings and help decide what matters in the world and how we should report it. To get access to all of Tortoise, all you have to do is download our app and take the free trial. Go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash pod trial and help make the news. So tell me, why did you want to return to Chicago at this moment in time? Well, after we all saw the terrible video of the last moments of George Floyd, I was just transported straight back there because it left such an impression on me, that reporting trip. You're only sort of five miles from the glass and steel of downtown in Chicago. But when you go to the west side, it's just a different world. It feels like it's a community that's just been left to its fate. And, and you know, it's it's not unique to there. I mean, Washington, D.C. is a segregated city. You know, it's has these amazing monuments. And then it you cross a couple of streets and you're into neighbourhoods where every child in a school is black and the provision is just appalling relative to the people who are living elsewhere in that city. So tell me, when you sort of went back to Chicago, not physically, obviously, but this week you returned to some of the people that you spoke to in 2018. Who are they and and what did they tell you? Yeah, there were two people I really wanted to track down because I just found them so inspiring. Um, There was a woman called Amara Enya. She's a public policy expert and a community organiser. And she actually ran for mayor in Chicago after I interviewed her. I'm Amara Enya, running for mayor. I'm not here because I've spent years chasing power in an unjust system. I'm here doing what I've been doing all of my life, challenging those in power. She didn't win, but she really made a noise. And, you know, Kanye backed her campaign and Chance the Rapper backed her campaign. He's, by the way, really heavily involved in grassroots campaigns in the West Side. So I thought she might have some answers because she was just brimming with ideas about what you can do to revive these communities. So I really want to talk to her. And then a guy called Reverend Gregory Livingston is a Baptist minister and a civil rights campaigner. He'd used this phrase, I remember, about redistributing the pain. And um, he was describing to me um, this civil rights march he'd taken through an all-white posh neighbourhood in Chicago. It's like up near Wrigley Field by the baseball park. And um, he'd basically stopped the traffic in the middle of the day. Let's take the, the fight to the people who can make a difference. And that was the people that had access to credit, you know, access to the money. Made people look up from their lives and see this protest that was about the West Side. I also wanted to bring this threat, David, and I, and I, and I use that, that word strategically, it's a tactic, that I wanted them to feel the threat that what we do with our, to our community, sadly, when we uh, are uprising, if you will, that that threat also existed if we showed up in their community. It was great. You know, why protest on your own doorstep? Take it somewhere (laughs) else. It was great. And so I knew he would help us understand the through line, I suppose. You know, the things that connect the events now to what was going on 50 years ago, 100 years ago, even 400 years ago. His, I think he said quite memorably um, when we spoke this week, you know, that he's two people distant from slavery himself and his own family. He's got an amazing 
family story to tell too. So let's go to Madison Street. Here's Westside resident Amara. What you know, we've heard this phrase, the tale of two cities. You really see that uh, in clear view when you take a drive. And I always say Madison Avenue because that's a street that you can go all the way downtown, uh, through the heart of downtown, and then it'll take you all the way west to the west side of the city and beyond. And if you hop on Madison from downtown, of course, you see all the buildings, all the development, the skyscrapers and the hustle and bustle. And the further west you go, once you pass, say, Western Avenue, which is about midway between the lake and the, the, the far west side, you start to see the vacancies. You start to see the vacant lots. You start to see the boarded up storefronts. The, the, there's the a sense of almost, it becomes more desolate. Um, you don't feel the hustle and bustle. You know, you, you drive down Madison, which is like the main thoroughfare that in the 60s was like a real shopping hub. There are these vacant lots everywhere. It's the, the kind of concrete footprint of, of a former building. It's chicken wire, it's overgrown with weeds and litter, and there's a liquor store, but not much else. And they're like scars on the streets. And... The reality is that that strip, even on, on Madison Avenue going to the west side, has been has never fully recovered from the 1968 riots after the assassination of Martin Luther King. Police report that the murder has touched off sporadic acts of violence. shoot to kill any arsonist or anyone with a Molotov cocktail in their hand in Chicago to fire a building because they're potential murder. This is where it all burned in 1968 when Dr. King was assassinated. 50 years had gone by and if you were looking for physical evidence of neglect, trying to understand how racism reveals itself, it was it was just right there. And and I thought, you know, when you look at what happened in Minneapolis, everyone can see what it is when a white man's got his knee on the neck of a black man. Everyone can see that that's oppressive, it's racist. But the conversation that flows from that immediately is about systemic racism. It's quite hard to describe and communicate to people. And I just went straight to those vacant lots and thought... You know, they're like, the absence of them in this urban landscape just reveals everything. So no one came, no one came to help. No one came to rebuild. The people who could get out got out. And what's left is just this, you know, this environment where the police are like an occupying force and this education is, a, is not even an afterthought. People can't get to well-paying jobs. And you've got these plots, they're like cemetery plots in the middle of this community. It's amazing, isn't it, to to think of that moment of uprising after Dr King was 
killed and and the fires that were burning in a city as a as a visceral direct reaction to that and to think that we've just witnessed another killing of a black man and fires are burning yet again but we still in some ways haven't extinguished the first set of fires and we've still got the smoldering sort of remnants of that sitting in cities and you're right that gives you that symbol of the system being racist and wrong rather than just these direct moments of horror. It's so right. And, you know, I mean, the the centre of downtown Chicago is a beautiful place to visit. And the west side of Chicago is a forbidding place and it's you, you can see it. In your conversation with Reverend Livingston Dave, you said that he drew a thread for you that goes back hundreds of years. Tell me about what he told you. Yes, it was... Uh, there was so much to engage with and it was harrowing and personal. You know, we touched upon a really grim event that happened to him when he was in his 20s, where he was pulled over by police. Uh, I grew up with that history. And in fact, can I say this, David, to really give uh, context to this, that, uh, uh, you know, so my dad comes up north in the 50s. I'm born in Chicago, you know, and everything, my dad and mom. And so... Uh, but I was 25 years old because my father had given, given me his coping and survival skills from the South, right? I was 25 years old, David, before I would put my hands in my pocket in a store. Because for when my father came from, if a black man had his hands in his pockets in a, in a store, that meant he was stealing. And it hit me. I was like, what am I doing? I, I can walk around with my hands in my pocket if I want to. But I was taught that as a, a way of surviving from my father's context. But, but here's, here's the other side of it, though, though, David. At 25, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, I'm a guy that's checked all the boxes. You know, I, I've been to school. I've done that. I, I'm, you know, relatively successful. So I had a brand new car. I'm 25 years old. It's about 7 or 8 p.m. in Chicago, and I'm driving to the grocery store to get some dog food for my pup, right? And I get pulled over by two white cops. And uh, because, you know, I was driving, they said I stole my car. You know, they pulled me over. They made me get out the car, get up against the car. They pulled my pants and my, my, my underwear down. I was buck naked below the waist, right? In the street, on a public street in front of a high school. And then they made me lie down face first on the ground with, you know, my lower body totally exposed and, and the like. So then one of the cops, I think he just wanted to drive my car. David, it was a sports car. He, he gets in the car. They take me to the station. They lock me up. I'm locked to a bar. But here's how it works. The family I grew up, grew up next door to was a police family. And one of the guys, uh, Sergeant Nathan Silas, my, my old neighbor, he walks by and he sees me handcuffed. And he goes, Liv, wh what are you doing here? And I said, uh, these cops said I stole my car. So he said, hold on, man. So he, he uncuffs me and, and then he'll be right back. And the two cops walk in and he's standing there. And it also happened that Nathan's father was the commander of the police station. And the two white cops said to me, why didn't you tell us you knew the commander, you knew Sarge? I said, to be honest with you, sir, uh, from my family, I didn't say it that properly. But I said, I had to think about all the guys that you guys would deal with after me. So I just couldn't opt out and, and just think about myself because I wasn't raised to just think about myself. We talked about his great uncle who was a victim of lynching a hundred years ago. You know, I come from a, what I call an old family. My grandfather was born in 1883, Arthur Livingston. I'm two people removed from slavery. 
and his brothers, he had two brothers that were both lynched. He was coming back from uh, World War One, had served and fought for his country, Frank Livingston. And, uh, you know, in typical fashion in the, in the South, in Arkansas, you know, the real story is that he spoke to this man's wife, who was a Klansman, and and uh, you know, then what 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 ensued after that was a fight. You know, I mean, he he, he tried to kill my my great uncle Frank. You know, and and the Klan got involved, and wow, you know, it, I guess I need to get visceral here, and I know from family history that the the wife the white wife of this man she actually liked my uncle Frank, right? And you got to understand, David. That was not the easiest thing for black men at that time in American history, nor prior to it. There was even a fear, you know, of what would happen to you because things did happen. And so anyway, they ended up chaining my Uncle Frank to a tree and burning him alive, you know. And so uh, he's been memorialized also in the uh, lynching museum in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, His brother, Teddy, he was burned alive as well, but his is undocumented. And so... I grew up with that history. So I, I, I say all that is that I, I've learned, you know, from my engagements, I've learned from engaging my family history, good and bad. And so this is a family story that goes back all the way through this 400 years. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The slavery and the consequences of it in the United States. So if the sense is that this moment of uprising is in part born out of a huge frustration because of a lack of change and a lack of meaningful transformation in in some of the communities that need it most. How confident or optimistic is Amara feeling that these protests, this moment, will be different? Yeah, I I will say she took a very long pause when um, I asked her if she was feeling optimistic that change could happen now. I I do. I think 
we have to be willing to, I think that the conversations will have to go beyond policing. I think we have to now start looking at all of the systems that have perpetuated these issues that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. It has to be tangible. Um, but once the marches are over, the question that we're all going to have to ask ourselves is, how do we rebuild? And the other question is, who rebuilds? Th- this is not the time for symbolism. Come on then. So it's your specialist subject. Here we go. <laughs> so what, what should we do? We have to get our hands around the financial system and make sure that we have one that actually serves the interests of our residents. And a public bank, as it relates to finance and investment, is one of the best steps that we can take. It's a depository for the city's tax dollars. And the only function is to make sure that those tax dollars are used to spur economic development so we can issue home loans. We can actually support some of these small community banks so that they can actually lend more. We could issue uh, businesses loans for businesses. Infrastructure is huge. Infrastructure costs, roads, bridges, waterways. We pay 40 to 50 percent over the initial cost of a project just in interest rates alone to these private banks. Imagine if those dollars are instead recirculated into our economy. There are models that exist. The Bank of North Dakota uh, has actually weathered the COVID-19 storm better than any bank in the country. They did not experience the level of economic shocks that everyone else is because they immediately stepped in and started issuing loans to these small businesses when it became clear that things were going to shut down. You know, she was talking about one project that they were pitching for the west side of Chicago, which was to build a new police academy. And (laughs) well, what's that going to do for us? That is not going to yield any economic advantage. And then the next thing was they wanted to build it even bigger. And, you know, the community is just thinking we want jobs and facilities and we want a place that feels like a dignified place to live. So you see the 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 there's a disconnect in terms of the priorities that we say we have and what we actually do. Those resources need to go to funding social and emotional learning. They need to go to a, appropriate curriculum. They need to go to making sure that even in remote learning which we've had to do that our kids have computers and access to laptops. A lot of the kids who are at home now don't have that access and so they yeah. can't even complete the school year. Dave, I was so struck when Trump tweeted a seemingly totally unfounded conspiracy that the elderly pensioner who had been pushed backwards by police who was caught on video falling and hitting his head and bleeding, that that could have been a setup or some some kind of fake news. And I just wonder, we're having a pretty uplifting, I feel, conversation about how communities can move for change and how you know, innovative ideas are being shared by by people like Amara. But when the White House feels so far away from being invested in racial equality and justice, how will these ideas really take hold? It's certainly true, isn't it, that, you know, federal government in the US has been able to set a direction of travel more than it's been able to actually change the nature of 
policing on the ground. Some crazy statistic, there's like 27,000 different law enforcement agencies in America. And, you know, some of them are the size of New York City and some of them are like 50 people with like some cast off military kit from Iraq. And there's not much that federal government can do except set a direction of travel. And one of the things that the Obama administration did, you know, you think of Ferguson and, and and those other flashpoints, was institute civil rights inquiries from the Ministry of Justice so that actually go in and insist upon reform by demonstrating that, you know, you'd lost control of a errant group of officers. Of course, the first thing Trump did in office was um, sign executive orders that were in support of Blue Lives Matter and basically disbanded anything that had to do with, um, you know, seeking accountability from police. So there's no doubt that sea change happened and it isn't changing and, and his propensity for all those conspiracy theories is not going to go away. So he has his day of reckoning, I suppose, in November. And the question, I suppose, for people is, are you going to turn out? You can see a direction of travel away from Trump, from decent Republicans. But they have to, they have to land it, don't they? Dave, I have to say that video that you shared with me over the weekend really stayed with me. I think it's a moment that you captured back in 2014 when you were covering the Ferguson protests and it's shot on your phone, it's pretty shaky and it's this incredible moment where a peace train veers into view playing Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. It's amazing. Huh. It was I, I, It was incredible to find it. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people um, who didn't join protests um, in solidarity were looking for ways to think, how can you show your support? And um, I just thought, well, if I, sh- I, I found this film and I thought, well, I might just share that with a few people because it was, it, it really was transporting. And, you know, it was like, you know, there was um, kind of, toy trains you see at airports that take the luggage from the plane to the terminal. It was basically one of those that had been turned into a kind of Thomas the Tank Engine train. And there was this guy driving it who was doing a black power salute with one hand on the steering wheel. And yeah, he had this kind of remix of Marvin Gaye just kind of just filling the night. And oh my God, it it was a moment that just broke the tension and made you realize, you know, yeah, what's going on? Is what you thought when you saw that train going down the street. Listening to Amara and Reverend Livingstone speak, it's clear that these lots in Chicago are part of a thread a thread that connects Edward Colston, the Bristol slaver, to the video of George Floyd's murder filmed and shared millions of times. It's a thread that runs through the Chicago riots of 1968. It runs through Ferguson in 2014. It even runs through Charlottesville. It connects Eric Garner and Sean Rigg. The latest wave of protests share a history that stretches back 50, 100, 400 years, crossing geographies and demographics. But this time, 
this time just maybe, we have what Cornel West, the philosopher and activist, beautifully, I think, describes as hope in the form of motion. We refuse to create a black version of the Ku Klux Klan. After 400 years of being traumatized, we want to dish out healers. That's Frederick Douglass. That's Martin King. That's Curtis Mayfield. That's Fannie Lou Hamer. What is it about these black people so thoroughly subjugated but want freedom for everybody? That's a grand gift to the world right in the bowels at the center of an American empire that is enslaved. Jim Crow, Jane Crow, lynched them, still dishing out these love warriors. Dave, you lived in America for many years and covered politics from New York and DC. I wonder, what have you learned from watching these protests unfold this time? You have to check yourself, don't you, when you're, um, you've seen these things go round a few times, you know, again, I can, the, it feels like the names of Laquan McDonald, Eric Garner, they're just sort of embedded in your memory. So many, Sandra Bland, Shavon Martin, Philando Castile, Eric Garner. And, and in uh, each case, so you feel this is intolerable and must affect change. And then another one just washes away in the legal system somehow. There's so many names that we can throw out who has caused us to to really, you know, that buildup of when will things change? And so I, I think about that, but I also appreciate that we're in this moment now and our responsibility is to do everything that we can while we're in this moment to push as aggressively as possible because there's no going back. Just to go back thinking about 68 and the the damage then did did Madison get hit again in the last ten days? It's I'm, unlike anything I've ever seen. Now it's just boarded up, but every business along Madison, uh, I would say west of Hamlin, that bustling corridor, it's it was just completely destroyed. I know it's only one street in one city. What about Madison? Do you think it's ever going to get? rebuilt? I think so, but I think it it should be different. I actually, what I would love to see, because we talk a lot about community ownership of businesses. I'm a big proponent for worker-owned cooperatives where people collectively own a business and operate that business. And so we should start thinking about, well, what do we want this corridor to look like now? So sort of taking what happened and seeing seeing it as an opportunity to start fresh and in a way that feels that feels like we're in partnership and that builds our overall resilience. I thought Reverend Livingston was good in saying there's something about the drama and the energy of protest that draws everyone in. You just don't have to be distracted by the people who were there, who were infiltrators. I can't think of any revolution where casualties are not a necessary part of it. So what is happening now is organic, is natural, and it's going to have infrastructure and everything. You know what? 
people talk about infiltrators and agitators. Every demonstration has infiltrators and, and agitators. That's just a part of it. Everybody's always attracted to the energy of change. What I've learned over the years and some of the great mentors I've had is that you cannot eliminate the infiltrators and the agitators. You neutralize them. And one of the ways you neutralize them is not being distracted from the agenda. And so the agenda right now, of course, is a police piece. But, you know, the next step, which I tried to show when uh, I got arrested trying to shut down O'Hare, the next step, of course, is commerce. You know, I, I, I would say to the young people around the world, march to the money exchanges, the stock exchanges, go there, you know, put the pressure on, you know, because it is in the pocket where the oppressor fears uh, retaliation most. So it's been a really strange week, hasn't it? You know, you feel tremendous disorder. It's very uplifting and it's very distressing all at once. And you don't really know where it's going to end up and you fear it might peter out. I thought the um, best way for us to finish the podcast this week was to hear the words of Reverend Livingston himself because, you know, he's not giving up. (laughs) We have, as a... African people in America have sacrificed our whole time here. Because you remember, if you know, David, you'll hear Dr. King telling America, repent, repent, America. And then he quotes uh, uh, from the book of Galatians, uh, chapter six, verse seven. He says, you know, be not deceived. God is not mocked. And he says, America, you're going to reap what you sow. How long? Not long. Because you shall reap what you sow? Yes, How long? Not long. How long? And that language may turn off some people, but just because it turns people off, you know, it doesn't mean it is not true. You cannot expect to build a shoddy house and expect it to stand in the storm. It just ain't happening. And right now, the shoddiness of this racist, racial, white supremacist house that has been built in America, we're huffing and we're puffing. And my gosh, we just may blow this thing down, David. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I think there's a really good chance that you'll enjoy all the other stuff that we do at Tortoise. I know I say it every week, but there are a load of articles that you can read on our app and online. And because we're an open newsroom, that means that there are a whole load of editorial meetings that you can join in on from basically wherever you are in the world. So you can shape our journalism and the stories that we tell. All you need to do is get our app and you can get access to all of that. Just go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash pod trial for our 30 day free trial. And of course, just as importantly, if you like this podcast, share it or give us a review or tell somebody about it. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill, if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.